capable of puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast where two queer IRL witches are reduced to tears by the uh, <laughs> world's best author, man name of Chuck Tingle. <laughs> I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy Lark Malachi Gray. <laughs> and I am uh, Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire. Jesse Blount. And yeah, this is our interview with Chuck Tingle. Unlike our episode about his book, Harriet Porber, this is pretty family friendly. And also the most tender thing you will ever listen to on The Gaily Prophet. Yeah, this is like if you need a new serotonin boost now that the like Bon Appetit Task Kitchen has fallen apart, you should just listen to this over and over again. Which is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you do not need to have listened to our episode on Harriet Porber, nor do you need to have read Harriet Porber to appreciate the beauty and wisdom of this episode. Also, yeah, like Jesse said, this is uh, safe for work. There's no sex conversations in this one. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. But before we do, we're gonna work our way through the list of wonderful human beings who have joined our Patreon since June. So this week, we're gonna thank Kyra, Ava, Rose, Ryan, Caroline, Svenja, Zoe, Emily, Johanna, and Suzanne. Uh, y'all are fucking fantastic. We're so grateful. Also, I know we're not thanking specific reviewers as much these days but i have to say we got a new willow so of course i'm going to shout it out <laughs> bucket hat willow <gasps> thank you so much for your review bucket <laughs> oh my god amazing <laughs> oh, all right y'all please enjoy this wonderful wonderful interview Here we are in our virtual studio with Chuck Tingle. Hello! This is the most exciting thing that's probably ever happened to the Gaily Prophet. Thank I'm you so, so much for talking to us. Oh no, you're, I'm going to say thank you for having me. I want to start off right off the bat saying that I listened to a show when I was doing my morning walk. And uh, I could tell right away, first of all, bo- both of you have very, um, you have a very good rapport with one another i understand why you have a podcast show and then i also gotta say that um i just i just found it to be so kind and the things you said about my my book were so kind but also i can just tell that you're out here proving love is real and that that's kind of the most important job that there is and so i'm gonna say thank you for for putting out this dang show all the time and and proving that love is real for for everyone who's listening i think it's a dang good show oh thank you Thank you. Thank you. We're going to use that in every tagline of everything now. Yeah. <laughs> well, feel free. Two-time Hugo nominee Chuck Tingle. 
approve this podcast. I'm definitely yeah. here. It was, well, <laughs> to be fair, I only listened to the one episode. I don't know if you're plant, plotting devil scoundrel uh, scoundrel plots on the other ones, and this was just a dang trick. But I got here. I got to listen to more. But um, that that well, I gotta. I kind of told you about this before um, beforehand. But uh, I don't know that much about being Harry's Potter, and that's probably why I haven't heard the other episodes. And I think that maybe you can teach me about this world. We. We certainly could. <laughs> I can't, well, I can't dang wait. I mean, I can answer all you. I, here, here's the deal. I'm going to answer all your questions about the big time book, Harriet Porber, Trans Wizard. And then, uh, and then uh, you got to answer my questions about Harry Potter. That sounds yeah. totally fair. Okay. We are experts, so um, you're in good hands for being educated wait. about Harry Potter. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell just by listening to the dang episode that you, you're talking about all. Well, I, you definitely got all the references that I made in the book. I think so. That that was good. But also, um, I was uh, well. My my son John helps me uh, write, and also his wife Chloe. But also, son John has a bud who knows all about dang Harry Potter. And so when I was writing this book, I said, "Okay, here's my idea. What would you got? Tell me what the what, who these different." who the different players in the game are. And I got a low down. I thought, Daniel, that sounds like a pretty handsome motorcycle way. And then I said, that's <laughs> a dang motorcycle. And I said, well, in this, and in, in, guess what? In Harriet Porber, they're a dang motorcycle. So that's how that worked out. But I had some help. And um, I, I kind of thought part of the fun would be um, in the fact that I, that I don't really know uh, Harry Potter or this way. And uh, gave it my best guess. I mean, you nailed it. It was incredible. I think that information makes it all the more impressive what you managed to do with Harriet Porber because I never would have guessed that having having read the book. I will well, I got, I will say that I, I understand the basics of um, the dynamics of certain characters as an outsider to this world. I, you know, I, I can I've seen enough of. Uh, I've never read a word of the books, I will say this. I have seen the first maybe two films. And um, from, just from that, and you know, if you're trotting along through the world, you see a dang movie poster or read something, and you kind of start to know what happens. I feel like I know what happens in most of the books, but I don't know the dang details. I feel like that answer is actually... A good chunk of our questions, but yeah, it is. Oh no! <laughs> it's... What did I do? Did I <laughs> no. All the no. You no, no, sure no, no! It did not. You sure did not. I just, I am actually really impressed that you have never read the books, considering how like I have not read a single dang word. <laughs> I, I will say though that um, I think that uh, as man name of Chuck, well, as man name of Chuck, uh, my son, son John, uh, he, he's older now. And uh, I, I, get, I think he would still in, enjoy uh, Harry Potter. But I think that um, what, what my dream, I think, is, is uh, I kind of started to intentionally avoid it because I thought one day son John's going to have a son and that will be my grand or our daughter and that will be my grandchild. And then at that point, I, I could imagine sitting in a rocking chair opening up book one and saying, okay, we're going to read, we've got a lot of books ahead of us, and we're going to go through this whole thing, and then I won't know what's going to happen. So I would say I I, kind of started saving it for um, 
future grandchild to sit down and say, okay, we're going to go through these books. It's first time for you, first time <laughs> for me. Let's go, buddy. Oh, that's really lovely. That's actually, that's really great. So normally we would start off by asking you what your Hogwarts house is, but I oh, dang, suspect I that know. you don't know. No, well, maybe you can help me. Can I? How about this? I, I, well, I guess we should say for our listeners, you, you're very professional. You sent over a bunch of questions, and, and I'm going to say thank you for that. And that is, that is very professional. And then as a man named Chuck, it's kind of a dang wild card. I said... <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not even going to look at these because uh, I don't want to ruin the surprise. I just want to <laughs> chat and talk, talk off the cuff because I, I get dang talking and then I get on a dang roll. So I said, uh, I'm just going to play by ear. But I did see that question and it got me kind of excited because I thought maybe you could ask me some questions and then, I, I, then we could figure it out. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Okay. Hit me with the questions. Let's figure out my dang house. Okay. So I will, I will say intuitively, yes. my guess is Hufflepuff. Okay. Because good. I feel like your dedication to proving that love is real and the way that you go about making that true in the world yes. feels very Hufflepuff to me. Is that, a, that's a value of this house? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. Okay. I think, I mean, I can definitely see that. Um, I guess well, if you could define each dang house is what what is the value what is the core value of each one? Can I hear um, maybe like a the mission statement of each one, and then I'm gonna pick which one I match with. Yes, but we're gonna give you our definitions as opposed to the book's definitions because ours are better. That, yeah. well, I gotta say <laughs> one thing I have one thing I do know about Harry Potter is that um, the fans' definitions of things. Much better than the dang authors. Yep. In literally every way. So yeah. I'm gonna, I, you know, I gotta say, that's something that I think is so fascinating and so um, charming and also proves love is real about dang Harry Potter fandom. Is, um, it's almost dang crowdsourced at this point of the interpretation for something way better than uh, what it started as. I think that the thing that has made Harry Potter so, so beautiful is the fans and the kind of not the author. I, it's a rare, uh, I think it's a rare medium where that is true, where I think the author kind of brings it down, but the love of the fans has turned it into something really special. Here, here. Yes. Um, all right, all right. We can do this, Jesse. So mm. we're both Gryffindors, and we both identify as Gryffindors because we are very angry about injustice, and we want to yell about it or have to perhaps yell about it and Gryffindors are very like big uh big feelings fix all the things uh in a way that's like we're just going (laughs) you would you would describe them as um I would say that sounds like a traditional hero like a like a like a knight who stands up proud and says this will not stand yeah, and the heroes of the Harry Potter series are are all Gryffindors. Yeah. And do you think that that is intentional in the sense of um, they're they're the ones that are going to seize the day when these problems happen? So it makes sense that it kind of makes sense that that would be the most active um, active house from a storytelling perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that makes sense. Okay, I understand that. Well, I gotta say, first of all, 
I'm kind of drawn to this house. So I, as much as I like this Hufflepuff thing, I'm curious to see where this goes because maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I could be that. Because I, I gotta say, I took action when writing trans wizard Harriet Horber. Um, kind of seems like a Gryffindor thing to do. I agree, and everyone has like a primary house and a secondary house. Oh wow! So oh, I didn't Jesse know that. is a, a Gryffindor primary, Hufflepuff Ravenclaw secondary, and I'm a Slytherin secondary. So we okay. can, I think, we'll have to figure both of those out. It's kind of like how in your astrological sign you have like a sun sign and like yes. a moon sign. That's that's how that's how we interpret the. Okay, I I, I understand this. Oh well, okay. So so what about this thing Slytherin? Because from what I've heard, now tell me if I'm wrong, kind of um, kind of the bad boy house. That's why in, in the book, that was the, where the bad boys were. Bad boys aren't necessarily bad. They, that's just their name. They're just kind of uh, walk the line. Is that correct? In the book, Slytherin is just an inherently evil house, which we just call shenanigans on because that's not how people work. That's also strange to, do they ever, you gotta tell me this, do they ever um, in the books just say, well, hey, we're trying to run a school here, but uh, <laughs> one fourth of the dang students are evil. So we're gonna say that there's only three houses now, and then the fourth one, if you get sorted in that, we're just gonna send you home because we've determined that you're evil. They sure don't, but nope. Hogwarts is a terrible school. Yeah. So. That is, that it is a, it is a, a very poorly run. It doesn't run as a school, barely at all. Okay, so what's your definition of Slytherin then? So, in real life, we find that Slytherins are very ambitious and don't. And if they like have their mind set on doing undoing a thing or on something, then they're going to do kind of whatever is possible to oh okay kind of morally dubious but also gets the job done you can be morally dubious in doing that but like you don't have to be like you don't have to be evil to be driven i I think the slytherins just like take a lot less shit maybe like the reason i identify as a slytherin secondary is that i like don't have any um preoccupation with like being nice to people okay <laughs> like no, that's not I think that's not a value of mine yes. <laughs> um but like i have incredibly strong morals but like i'm not gonna go about necessarily like hand holding or like whereas i feel like someone from like hufflepuff can have super strong morals and is much more invested in helping other people okay see the way and yeah. like be is much more gentle and much more kind whereas i'm like i'm gonna f- have great friends that i can crowdsource those yeah. conversations to and i think that they're necessary but i am not the person who's gonna have those conversations i don't have time for that okay. or patience. <laughs> i think I, I understand that Wait, well okay would it would uh, maybe if we're talking about to uh, like uh, dang famous buckaroos would maybe like um steve jobs or someone like that be slytherin like uh you kind of think, oh, dang, what are you, you, sometimes you got to give them the side eye thinking eh, you're up to something, but they're out kind of maybe trying to change the world in their own way, but you, you kind of think, oh, you might be taking it too far. I think Beyonce is a Slytherin. Oh, dang. 
Really? Okay. It's like super driven and not taking any shit. This might be the most controversial. Actually, it does fit. But this also might be the most controversial take of the show. Well, here's where it gets controversial. If if we're going to say, I think I understand with Beyonce, but with Steve Jobs, are they both Slytherin? What's, what house would he be in? I don't think I know enough about Steve Jobs to be able to sort him. I feel, oh, like, he might, I feel like he might be in Slytherin, though. Honestly. I'm just thinking of... Um, you know, or or uh, dang dang all these dang movies about dang tech tech world entrepreneurs coming up stabbing each other in the dang backs and getting the job done, but also then they then everyone's mad at them at the end of the day. That seems kind of. I think Slytherin. probably like that's the dark side. That's the dark side of Slytherin for okay. sure. Like even IRL Slytherins. I, then in that case, I will I will just imagine it as a Beyonce house. <laughs> cool. That's probably better anyway. Yes, yeah. I mean the the bright side of Slytherin because they're uh, with all houses. There are like good ways and bad ways to okay. do the thing. Yes. How how are you with astrology? Can we make astrology comparisons to help or no? I don't. I I probably know less about that than Ding Harry, Harry Potter. Okay, that's fine. But um, but but then what we have Ding Ravensclaw. Mm-hmm. Who who the heck is that? There, I I feel like I just consider them the nerdiest of the houses. Okay. They it's a lot of like research and knowing random information and be like, oh, there's something that's going on. I need to read four books about it, or very smart. <laughs> and or like, you know, read a bunch of Wikipedia and like and gathering all of this knowledge in order to move through the world. Wow. Well, I'm gonna say I'm. I will admit, as the world's greatest author, I'm good at writing. I'm not not very good at much else. So I'm going to say that I am definitely not dang Ravenclaw. I could not, I'm not good at learning in books. That's for dang sure. So that's not me. Um, okay. Now then Hufflepuff. So give me the lowdown on what I am. Uh, so Hufflepuffs are, it's like the, like, hashtag cozy house. Yes. Um, they're very, again, like, the they're very open and, like, nurturing and... I think also, yeah, super grounded. Um, They're the the softest of the houses, and they really value like comfort and like home and all of the things that come with that. So they're very nurturing. That kind of does sound like me. I just feel like that love is real is like the Hufflepuff anthem. So I feel like you've got you've got Gryffindor Hufflepuff either primary or secondary. I think that um, I think. Based on what I have learned, I am a, uh, a Huffle, Hufflepuff uh, with a Gryffindor secondary who wishes that they were a Gryffindor with a Hufflepuff secondary. But I, <laughs> but I know my limitations. I love that. Yes. Thank you for taking... See, I knew this. I knew that this would work out. I, I, I knew you needed to be able to tell me all about things, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I know, now I know pretty much every, I hope that the list, I hope that's okay with the listeners and they're not thinking, oh, dang, uh, dang now, now is the best Harry Potter fans in the world. Now I got to go over what the different dang houses are again. <laughs> they probably have heard that plenty of times. Oh no, they love listening to us talk. So it's going to be fine. They're going to be like, oh, you're going to break down what my house is about. I can't wait. I think fun. there's probably yeah. a lot of dang Slytherins out there who uh, maybe are down in the dumps on this uh, this sorting way, and now that they've learned that they're in the dang house with Beyonce, they think, I guess being a Slytherin is not so bad after all. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, that you know, you already proved a lot of love with that already. <laughs> so tell me what you know about Patronuses. Oh my gosh. Dang. I don't know a dang thing about a dang Patronus. What, I don't even know what that is. Okay. So in the book, there are these things called Dementors, which are basically manifestations of depression. Yes. Uh, that can make you lose your mind if you're exposed to them for too long. Oh, wow. I, I knew that I knew what Dementors were. I didn't realize that's what they were. I thought they were just spooky ghosts. They're, they're worse than spooky ghosts. Oh, dang. For okay. sure. So then a Patronus is a spell uh, that you can cast that manifests as an animal that is like the representation of all of the good things inside of you that protect you from depression. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, dang. So we would love to know what you think your Patronus might be. And so it's got to be an animal? Yes. Oh, definitely, definitely dang a woodchuck. It's oh, that's great. That's definitely a kindly old woodchuck. That's oh uh, cutting down trees with his with his chompers and the, building a dam, chucking wood. I gotta say, I was a little prepared for that because, believe <laughs> it or not, as a man named of Chuck who wears a mask, I tend to have a lot of dang furry fans on Twitter, and they're mm. always asking me, <laughs> Chuck, what's your dang uh, what's your dang fursona? And I say, I first of all, I got no idea what the heck you're talking about. And then they, ex- <laughs> then they explained it to me that it's the animal that lives in your soul. And I said, obviously, I'm a dang pink woodchuck. And then, uh, then a dang furry furry fan drew one for me of a pink woodchuck in dark glasses, looking like a cool guy. Oh and then, God. and then I thought, dang, that's the best dang thing ever. So now, when you ask about Patronus, I think if I was gonna cast a Patronus spell, you just see a a big pink flash of light and a giant woodchuck swirling in the mist coming and chomping down a Dementor. Oh my god. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I love that so much. I love everything about this. Also, I guess personas might be Patronuses. This is an interesting thing we should It seems about. like yeah. they're kind of the same uh, the same idea represented, I think. All of our furry listeners are about to come out of the woodwork. Yes, please, please, please let us know. Please let us know. Man, may I ask what your, what are your uh, patronuses? Oh yeah, um, mine is a lioness. Oh wow, that's great one. Uh, Mine is a platypus. Oh dang, that's kind of like a woodchuck to me. Say more. I mean, (laughs) well, I just think that um, thing, thing. Well, first of all, I I was recently, believe it or not, I was reading a lot about dang platypuses, and and I gotta say. Um, I think that uh, I think that if I was discovering a ding platypus and I had heard heard the locals talk about this uh, animal, I would uh, probably not believe it. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, that that makes it a very special animal and uh, kind of a one of a kind. It seems like uh, seems like somebody out there thought, uh, okay, we're gonna make make this fun animal up, but just to just to mess with everybody. Yeah, that's why it's my patrona. <laughs> oh dang! I like that's a good that's a good one. I just I think that they're similar to woodchucks because they swim around in the water and play all day too. Except for our platypuses also have poison uh they have poison barbs that will that will uh, send you to the station of the dang lonesome train. So uh, yep. 
So God watch out for them too. But I understand that's kind of a I think that's kind of a Slytherin animal actually. I was about to say that's where my Slytherin comes <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> <with the> venom. <laughs> you you don't expect a platypus to have a venomous spur and then there there it is. Yeah. <laughs> And I got to say, um, I also like a lioness because I, I, so I read a lot of dang animal books. I get them from the dang, uh, from the dang public library in Billings. And when I read about lions, I think that, um, what I like about lioness specifically is that, um, the lion with the mane, I think they just lay around all day. And then the lionesses are the ones that are out doing the hunting and getting it done. So I think that that's a good one. And they do it all together, which I'm like, all I want to do is be around other people. Be a part of the dang pack. Yep. That's great. <laughs> okay, so shall we shall we get into Harriet Forber a bit? Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Dang, you guys did such a dang good analysis of dang everything. That was so kind. So I can't wait. So yes, yeah, yeah. Ask away. Uh, I guess maybe we talked about it a little bit, but we want to, like, what inspired you to write Harriet Forber? Oh, dang. Well, there's a couple of dang things. I will say that uh, when I heard about the way of uh, J.K. Rowling, I, I thought um, those comments, she's always making these dang comments. And man, you know, Chuck, I'm always looking for a way to prove love is real. And that's kind of hard when you see someone out there who seems, I, I think she goes out of her way to try to say that love isn't real. I think it's kind of rare to find someone like that where you think um, there's some scoundrels out there who uh, do scoundrel acts, but they don't talk about it. They're just kind of like going along in their life. And then uh, then when no one's looking, they do something dastardly. But the dang thing about J.K. Rowling is she's kind of proud to uh, be a devil. And so I think that um, when she was saying terrible things about uh, trans buckaroos and, and also um, autistic buckaroos, which is part of my way, I'm on the spectrum of buds, uh, she was saying some really horrible things, and I just thought, um, wow, this is a good opportunity to say, uh, if you're going to put that darkness into the world, I think that I'm going to work extra hard to balance it out right now. So that was kind of the inspiration, was just to try to do a little bit of balancing in the dark. <sighs> that's really beautiful. Now, well, that's what you got to do, and I got to say, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty Gryffindor, so I don't know, man. <laughs> that's true. See, where I feel like the Hufflepuff comes in is like, so Jesse and I as Gryffindors responded to what J.K. Rowling did by like putting out a guide to like how you can never, ever support J.K. Rowling again while continuing to love Harry Potter. Yes, that's, well, that's the same. It sounds like we did the same thing kind of in our own ways. Right, but ours is, see, here's what I'm, is like, ours was like very angry and to the point. And yours was so loving and so beautiful so i feel like that's where i get the hufflepuff vibe is like we both kind of did the same thing but like in such different approaches oh god you're explaining this very well you wrote you wrote a beautiful love story and we just yelled at people on the internet (laughs) for for a month (laughs) well both of those ways are very important i gotta say so that that's that's true but that's a very good explanation i think i understand this way yeah, we make we make a good team, the yes. three of us. Yes. So, yeah, I think a question about that, which which maybe we've gone into, or like you answered a little bit in your answer there, but you you do a lot of political work in in your writing, but 
at least from like what we had seen, it seems like it's usually on a sort of a bigger scale, like larger politics or like, you know, global warming and stuff like that. Mm. Whereas this is like a very personal kind of political, like this is a, a hurt on a very individual level that JK Rowling is enacting. And so I guess our question is sort of like, is this maybe a direction that you feel like you're going in terms of the way that you respond to political stuff? Or was this something about this specific circumstance that spoke to you in that way? Well, I always kind of, um, I do, uh, I talk about being broad politics a lot, like you said. Uh, then talking about old Trump, the devil, uh, devil in the White House. And um, I gotta say, he, old Trump does so much bad in the world that it's kind of exhausting to, to write about. Every dang day I could write another book about all the terrible things that he does. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that kind of gets wearing on the dang readers too, where it's kind of like watching the news. You think, dang, I know he's bad, but just give me a dang day where I don't have to think about how dang bad he is. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that I try to balance it with that, with um, maybe specific issues. But I got to say, as a man named Chuck, really, just the dang thing that I always, um, that always makes me uh, make my decision is uh, what's going to prove the most love? And I'm, am I writing something that is proving love in my heart? There are some issues where I think, wow, a couple of dang things happened today. I could write a book and have it out dang tomorrow about, uh, let's say, very current events tingler. And... Um, and I always choose the one that is touching my heart in a way. And then you can't, uh, you can't always tell why that is. So I will mm-hmm. say with this one, um, I think, I think I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. On one hand, I'm not really sure why. But on the other hand, I got to say also just the, um, I was dealing a lot with um, my way as a buckaroo on the autistic spectrum. That's just something that I, I've been talking a lot about lately because I have a unique way of, of speaking that that has nothing to do with um, with my way on autistic spectrum. There's no dang autistic way of speaking. It's kind of offensive to say so. And I think during the time there were others talking about that way, saying, oh, Chuck, and then, you know, the dang way that I talk is just my own unique way. It's more to protect my privacy as a doctor so I can't get hunted down by devils. And it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with my autistic way. So, so I think that when Buckaroos were talking about things like, oh, there's an autistic way to talk and all this, I thought, I find that very offensive. And maybe I was sensitive in that area because then J.K. Rowling was talking about how, um, I can't even remember what kind of nonsense she was talking about. Uh, trans trans uh, Buckaroos being more autistic on, on their way in different ways. And I just thought, then you, you are being so hurtful. You, you mess with the wrong Buckaroo. And so that's kind of what, what touched my heart about it. It just was the dang right the right moment for me to think this is how I'm going to heal heal with my heart and my, uh, my love. That's incredible. Sorry I ramble on so long. No, 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 no. You, you can't see us. Me and Lark have a Skype window open and we're both just like clutching our chest because we're just like, this is, we're just like very moved. Oh good, yeah. okay. Well, I, I gotta. Sometimes I gotta. Saying. Sometimes I gotta pull myself back because I'm just rambling on. I I like to talk and talk and talk. So I I'm I I'm trying to keep it trying to keep it under wraps a little bit so I don't go off and on a dang tangent for too long. Take up your whole dang show. You are 100 percent fine. We just are like 
in our feelings a lot because everything that you're saying is really beautiful and then sometimes it's hard to like pull out of that to like oh I have to verbally respond now I can't just sit here being like oh it's so nice (laughs) no that's okay that's part of it I will say now that I'm more open about it that's part part of my way is a on the spectrum of buds is uh, when I'm talking to family uh, members like son John or Chloe sometimes they'll be telling me a dang story and uh, I'll be uh I would say not there I'm just staring at the dang wall thinking about space or other ways or the dang size of the universe or which timeline I'm on or where or something. And then the what we do in our household is they say, are you with me? And that is the symbol that I know, oh, dang, I was not here. I was somewhere else. And then I and then sometimes sometimes I'll say, no, I'm sorry. And sometimes I'll say, yes, I'm just staring at the wall. So that's part of my way on the spectrum. of But so I, I understand um, hearing a dang uh, idea. And being so overwhelmed that sometimes you just, you can't even speak on it. You're just going to have a dang staring contest with the, the infinite, uh, infinite sky. Yeah, you're in good company. Jesse and I both have uh, ADHD. I'll guess probably similar in some ways. Yeah, my partner and I have an agreement where when he's talking to me and I forget to listen, I just say, I forgot to listen to you. <laughs> Can you that, start over? <laughs> I will say... That is so kind. I, I wish that more, I think that through movies and dang media, we've been trained to think that that is a, a mean way. And uh, I, I think that uh, you and your partner have it dang figured out. And that's what we do at our household too. It's okay to say that you drifted off if, if this is the way that your dang brain works. It's not, it's not intentionally trying to hurt any feelings. And to be in a situation of your relationship where you have support in that way, Dang that you get you got you found yourself a good one there. That's a really great. That's great because it's hard to find. Some buckaroos don't don't uh, ever realize that they that that will always kind of offend and hurt them when you when you don't mean to. So that's that's a good thing to find. Yeah, I'm I'm feel very lucky, and I agree with you. Like it is it is kind because it proves that you care enough about what they were saying to ask them to say it to you a second time where you can hear it. Yes, it's not if you didn't care then you would have just zoned out and then pretended that you didn't so it's it's proof that i that i do want to hear yes and from other side too i think that um uh, people who get upset with this way they don't seem to understand that um i i like to say and how i explained it to son john before this happened um when he would get frustrated i would say imagine if i came up to you and said why didn't you uh push that button and then he said, what are you talking about? You just came up to me. You didn't tell me to push a button. And then I said, actually, I did. And, and I really did. It's kind of a scary situation to be put in to know that your brain is just not uh, inputting these things. I think, that they, I think that some people think secretly you were kind of listening. And what I have to explain to Buckaroos is, no, it's like I wasn't even there. I, I, I just entered the room just now when you asked me if I was here. And it's mm-hmm. good to have someone that can believe you in this way. That's very important and hard to find. Yeah, for sure. Also a big mood. I'm just like, oh, yeah, just spacing out in the middle of a conversation to think about space. I totally do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Dang, sing your bold God. Dang, now I'm, now I'm rambling again. Okay, tell, ask me more about dang Harriet Porber. I'll tell you everything. Chuck, please don't apologize. We have so many autistic listeners who are feeling so validated listening to what you're saying right now so oh, good. 
that yeah. that's good. It's kind of fun for me because I didn't I didn't really didn't talk about it that much. As a as a uh, autistic buckaroo and a bi buckaroo, I'm very happy about these ways because these are two ways that um I have very recently uh, started talking about more. I guess I will say openly, uh, and and uh, and now I really enjoy talking about that. So that's great. Yeah, and the world needs more folks being open about mm. that for sure because. I mean, obviously, the public discourse is just, like, so wrong and broken, and the only yeah. way to shift that is for people to be open about it. So, yes. yeah, you're doing the world a service. Oh, thank you. Kind, kind comment. Thank you. So, um, right. You have a kitten in front of your mouth, Jesse. Can you move closer to the mic? <laughs> That's a pretty good reason to be far from the mic, I guess. It is. That's about the best one I could think of. Oh, sorry, little cat. Um... So, uh, one of our listeners wrote in, and uh, they want to know, what do you think is the best way to stand up to bigotry? Oh, dang. Well, I gotta say, this, this is a great question. Um, and the thing I remember is, there's no one way to do it. And, well, okay, I'm gonna give you the big answer, because you've given me permission to ramble. So, I'm gonna answer your question, but here's the big answer. The big answer is this. Um, from the beginning of this dang timeline, there have been all kinds of events that have broken off and created parallel timelines. Every time you make a choice, whether it's walking through a door or uh, or not walking through the door, climbing through a window, you're creating a parallel world. And uh, every time that we make a choice that proves love is real, we're creating a dang uh, timeline that is that much better, even if it's in a small way. And I think that buckaroos don't, if they realize that every time they did even the smallest thing, they're making an entirely new universe that's a little better because of them, they would realize how special and important and powerful they really are. And then you guys start thinking, wow, that's been going on since, I, since before I was here, since the beginning of time. That means there's infinite timelines. And that means that uh, me just being here means I'm, I'm special and unique in a way that is pretty much infinitely impossible to uh, define. There's nobody better at being me than me. And just by being here, I've already beaten the dang odds by about a hundred billion to one. And you gotta think, well, if I want to prove love is real, my unique way is, uh, is the best way to do that. So it's not going to be the same for everyone. For me, it's writing dang books. For, for the two of you, it's uh, making this podcast and bringing joy to all these uh, buckaroos out there. And in the, for the listener who wrote in, you are so special and unique, like a dang infinite uh, star in the sky. There is, oh, you're the only version of you that there is. And so you just got to look inside and think, what can I do with my special, unique way that's going to make this timeline just a little bit better and a little more full of love? And then you, you just got to start doing that. And if that means that you're a dang artist painting a picture, that's fine. If that means you're a dang accountant doing someone's taxes, that's just as important. It's just, uh, you know, as long as you're doing it with love, then, then, then that's going to change the whole, the hell dang universe. And you're, you're fighting bigotry in a way that's just as important as everyone else's. And it's up to you to determine your own special way to do that. Well, you've made us both cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh that was um yeah yeah that i don't have I, yeah that is such an excellent answer uh, and that is you've nailed the there's only one appropriate answer to that question now and you, that is it so thank you if you ever ask that during another interview when they give you a different answer say not good enough 
Yeah, we're gonna get a, a no buzzer that will just like buzz into the <laughs> microphone really loud. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, the answer we were looking for was about three minutes long. <laughs> oh Lord. Oh, that was so so wonderful. Well you yeah, it's also dang true. I gotta say, yeah, I hope that you both know this. I said this at the beginning, but um, you know, you're fighting for love. Sometimes you you know, you get up and you think what, what do I even matter? Especially right now with this dang virus and everything. All the days are starting to look the same. It's, it's, it's really dang easy to just think, oh, wait, what the heck? This is just another day. And the, the, the world getting so dark. What can I do? But if you think about how rare and special you are and the fact that you're the only one of you in the whole dang, dang universe across many timelines, you just got to think that's a lot of power. And even just trotting out there and saying, you know, I'm going to put a little money in this uh, meter for someone else, or, or I'm going to uh, let someone go ahead of me at the grocery store, or even something bigger, like I'm, I'm going to donate a bunch of money to a dang charity today. You know, all these different things. You're creating a whole other timeline, a whole other universe that um, that uh, you're, you're not even going to know about the, the alternatives. I mean, you got to remember, that's a lot of power. You're making whole universes just by doing these small things, and you're, you're so powerful. So I think it's all very important to remember. Yeah. Also, kind of theme of Harry Potter, in a way, though what I know about it, all young Harry Potter was just a little baby boy, and got this dang lightning bolt on him in all these different ways. But um, there's, a, there's a way in, I think, a lot of storytelling, which is uh, to say that your hero is just kind of um, kind of an everyday person. And then they, they take these actions, and it changes everything. And I think that... Um, that uh, you know, I, we, we're all capable of that, whether we know it or not, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. This is, a, I think, a good lead into our next Harriet Forber question. So speaking of sort of uh, grand, you know, hard to wrap your brain around concepts that are nevertheless extremely important. Um, you, in, in our episode about Harriet Forber, we talked a lot about your use of uh, soul versus body to talk about trans folks. Oh, yeah. We loved it so much. Uh, as a trans person, it was incredibly validating and like gave me language to talk about my own lived experience that oh, I previously good, yeah. didn't have. So uh, I personally am just so thankful to you for that. Um, but we're wondering, like, where did that come from? Like, how did you come up with that um like way of talking about it well i i think that um i think that's just the way that made the most sense to me they, i will say that when i started writing tinglers they were just um cis bud on bud and uh then i started to branch out i started doing the lesbian tinglers and bi tinglers and trans tinglers and every time i uh, kind of uh, started writing for a different uh, new community it was always because members of that community reached out and said, I would like to see myself represented in these books. So I said, okay, sure, that's, that's good. Tingleverse is, um, Tingleverse is here for everyone. Yeah, everyone has a place in the Tingleverse. So I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it right. So um, I started writing trans tinglers a while ago when, when trans fans uh, and the Buckleys were saying, oh, well, I would like to be included. I said, okay. But it was very important uh, for me to first reach out and uh, talk to this community and say, okay, um, how am I going to do that? What, what are the words that I should use? 
Um, how, how am I going to make you feel like you are represented in a good way? So I spent a lot of time on the private message, talking to Buckaroos and learning about these different ways. Very kind, just getting helped out. And that was great. And I think that uh, after doing that, which was a while ago, my own understanding of, um, of having uh, the trans uh, identity was, uh, well, I think that was the way that my mind wrapped around it the best. And I don't know if that's a term that has been used before, but after uh, talking to this community, that's just kind of the way that it sat, sat with me. And, and I thought it made them made the most sense. I, I'm not really sure. I guess I will say you would, you uh, as a member of this community would know better than I would. And I will listen to whatever you have to say on that subject. But, uh, but for me, that was just the best way to describe it, I think. I mean, I, th I, I think that it's perfect. Uh, I had never heard it described that way previous to reading Harriet Porber. Um, but it was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that's it. That's the thing. Uh, so I would, I, I say you nailed it. Obviously I can't speak for like the trans community broadly, yeah. but, uh, my, my personal feeling on it is that that's exactly it. Well, that's so. good. That makes me feel uh, very good. And I've gotten so much good feedback about that book, too. So I'm, I'm, I was very moved at the, the reception of it. Everyone seems to like it a lot. But, um, yeah, I, I got to say maybe the sole issue is something uh, that because um, if you are not, not religious, which I'm, I'm not, uh, the sole, sole way might... Um, might uh, be uh, a reluctant word for you, but I don't think you need to be religious to understand this concept. I think that um, you could you could say uh, you're not religious or spiritual at all and still understand the idea of a soul, however you want to see it, or at least wrap your mind around it. So I think that might be what uh, that might be what drives drives buckaroos away from using this word, but I still think it's a pretty dang good one, even if you don't uh, don't just subscribe to other ways with that word. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Jesse, you, in the episode, you used, like, a really... Do you remember what you said? You talked about, like, a non-religious meaning for soul, and it was really lovely. That was so long ago. Something about, like, that... Uh, ephemeral core of makes you who you are, or something like that. Dang, that's think, a good one. Let's just that use that. that. Is, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a lot more words, and also like not as um, I don't know. I feel like that's that's what the word soul like. <laughs> the only word I can think of is embodies, which is just silly <laughs> in this context. But... Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's sort of like um, like I'm not religious, but I'm also a big sci-fi and fantasy nerd so i feel like using the word soul it like you can still use it and people know kind of what you're yeah. talking about it's like you know it's beyond just like your personality it's like something that's just like it is you know at a part of you well, that, like a deep-seated part of you even and like but like not in a big like you know way that religion i'm sure defines defines what a soul is yeah yes yeah. I, I now that i'm thinking about it, that's kind of um I think that was kind of point of uh, of Harriet Porber and some. Well, there were a lot of points to that book, but one of them I think is the idea of a soul of a character. That's a non-religious way to understand. It. Is you think of them, um, you could say uh, Harry Potter, but you could also say so somebody like Dang Dracula. Um, there, there has been a hundred times. Well, there's probably been 
100,000 times that Dracula showed up in a story. And uh, uh, Dracula can be a man or a woman or a spider or a car. It doesn't really matter. But I think that um, in some strange way that that character uh, is always Dracula. No matter what, what uh, they do or say, uh, if it's one person or a group of people, um, that, that, that is something that I think is, a, I guess I would say, the soul of the character that, that doesn't really rely on having a body. Uh, I think that the body is secondary to the character, and that's kind of the point of the book, is that um, it doesn't really matter the shell that you're put in. Sometimes it's going to fit nice and snug. Sometimes it's going to be really uncomfortable and not make you feel very good. And uh, that, that doesn't really change who the character is. That, that's just uh, your shell. Yeah, it's three three times that this interview has made me cry. Now it's fine. <laughs> I, also, I also feel that was just really excellent, like writing advice. Also, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. How have I never thought of it like that? Cry, crying at the Dracula part. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it was the Dracula. <laughs> I came, I came because I knew you liked Harry Potter, and then I learned that you love Dracula so much. You cried over the very mention. We we do like some Dracula, some Dracula, some some vampire fiction also. We... <laughs> and once again, you have. It's almost as if you are psychically intuiting the sequence of our questions because you just like let us right into the next question. So, in the in the way that you sort of like wove together the way that the soul versus body conversation is validating to trans people with the way it's also validating to people who love harry potter you did a really cool thing where you like were super validating for people who love harry potter in a way that doesn't do the thing where people want to be like oh it's weird harry potter has no author because it's really important to like hold jk rowling accountable for what she's done and so this is this very nuanced thing that you did. I'm sorry. I just got to say, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I get, I got a lot of comments like that. And I don't really like that. I think you have to face that fact down. That's yes. our duty yeah. of Buckaroo's proving love. You can't just pretend. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's so important to, to recognize it, not just because of her blatant trans antagonism, but also because of like all the ways that her other bigotry and that bigotry show up in the books. And if you pretend like it has no author, then you rob yourself of the opportunity to engage critically with things like the fat phobia and anti-Semitism and racism and like all the other terrible things that, that are, show up in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Um, so it's just really, it was really cool to see having that, like it's, it's okay that you love Harry Potter that didn't come with like, oh, you can just like separate it from from J.K. Rowling. Yes. And there was a question in there. Well, I, I was... guess just like, how did you, like, how were you thinking about it when you were developing the way that you sort of spoke to that issue in the book? Well, I, I think that the dang the dang world's a complicated place, and a lot of uh, I think the issue of a. Uh, how much do you want to separate the art from the artist? Is a is a pretty big one right now, mm-hmm. and um, I think that um, that that issue was a everyone's trying to make it a big public issue. Like there's one one rule, and I think it's important to remember that that that's just a personal issue for every every person, 
and that um, there are some things that uh, that are going to be too much for you, and there are some things that you're going to say, oh, I can support that um, after this uh, musician or actor or author, maybe after they've passed on to the Lonesome Train, maybe then I can read their stuff. And then sometimes you can think, I think that in the case of J.K. Rowling, actually you can say, well, this person's so dang rich, um, I don't know if I'm depriving them uh, by not buying this book or depriving me in my journey through this timeline by never reading it. And that's a personal choice for everyone. And I, I, I think it would be wrong to say to someone, oh, well, you need to never buy another dang book. But I think that what comes along with that is that they at least need to recognize what they're doing and take ownership of that. And that's the tightrope that everyone, I think, needs to walk is say, I, I can't avoid this. This is a moral issue that I'm going to have to grapple with. And after I've done that, then I've, I've kind of carved out the right to uh, enjoy this in, in my own way. But only after I've uh, had that conversation with myself. Yeah. And... I mean, I think a lot of a lot of what our advice has been is ways to continue engaging with Harry Potter without financially supporting J.K. Rowling. Yes. Um, How do you do it? Uh, used bookstores. Oh hiring. dang, that's e- that's easy. I gotta say, you, you can probably you could probably find a dang Harry Potter used bookstore for the rest of your dang life. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I see Harry Potter at every thrift store I go into. Yes. A really cool thing is that her book sales have dropped since oh, wow. this happened. And so <gasps> people know are that. noticing and it's, it is making a difference, which I think is really cool. But that difference doesn't have to come at the expense of like, I can't read the books that I already own. Or like, yes. I can't, you know, watch the DVDs that I own, but like, I'm not going to stream it anymore. Oh, yes. But there are a lot of people who do think like, oh, you just like can't, I'm just like, you can't read the books anymore, otherwise you're supporting her. Like, you can't talk about them anymore, otherwise you're supporting her. And I feel like your book was really validating to the folks that we are speaking to, who it's like, here are the ways that you can engage with this world yeah. without giving her money. And, like, that's okay. I really liked the way that you did the that's okay in yeah. the text. I think that was really valuable. Well, I'm glad that you got that because, like I said, it's such a complicated um I think it's a very complicated personal issue. But to your point, when you you just said, oh, her book sales went down. And if everyone was pretending that she didn't really write it as some kind of a joke or a jab at her, um, then her book sales wouldn't have gone down. Mm. And so that's why that's important. You, you just gave the best example is, is that's actual concrete change. By not by not just brushing this over and pretending it's not happening, yeah, you gotta you gotta put on your uh, your Gryffindor cloak and go out there and take action. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, amazing. So let's talk about less political parts of Harriet Forber. Jesse, do you want to talk about like magic? Uh, so the world building and the magic system in the and Harriet Porber is is so good. Oh, thank uh, you. We talk about it in the episode. We're just like, oh, we've, like just the way that the magic works. It's like, this is so great. I feel like I haven't seen this before. And I just kind of want to know, like, you've been like thinking about like 
a kind of like magical system before or if you're kind of just like, you know, writing it as you were going. Um, well, I just kind of want to know more about it. Um, well, Sun John, he always plays dang Dungeons and Dwellers with his buds. And um, they have let me play before, but uh, I kind of ruined the game most of the time. So now I just watch. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, there are different things where you can be dang, uh, you could be dang a uh, cleric man with your priest robes. You can be a dang wizard. You can be a dang sorcerer. They all have different ways of casting their spells. I, I always thought that was kind of neat. Uh, the idea that um, there's not just one way to harness magic, and may, maybe uh, maybe you just are born born with a, a way of harnessing it, or maybe you harness it through song or art, or maybe through a spell book. So I thought that was kind of more interesting. And then, uh, yeah, I guess I, I, that's about as much thought as I put in, but that's probably where the inspiration came from. It's honestly, the magical system in Harry Potter is more nuanced and developed than the magic system in Harry Potter. Oh, uh, I, yeah. So uh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's truly, truly incredible. Um, and I think that we can all, we can take that as an official recommendation to all aspiring fantasy authors to play more Dungeons and Dragons, I think. Oh, cause... yeah, I agree. It's, it's such a great game. Good for imagination. Oh, can I? Hey, I can I, I will make a controversy. I don't know. You guys are such dang good hosts. I don't think you would bring up a controversial subject, but I'm going to say uh, just because when I was listening, your uh, critiques, I thought were good, um, really good. Well, one one of them in particular, I, I can't remember who brought up, but we're saying, saying about um, Harriet calls, calls the police mm -hmm. on the noise complaint. And that was your one critique based on this time time in our world. And when I was this, I thought that's a pretty dang good point. So I think that uh, I think that you are right, and Chuck is wrong in that. I didn't. I I will say I just didn't really think of it. And also, point of the sheriff character was kind of um, I think kind of to to say that he didn't. He doesn't actually do anything. He mm -hmm. actually kind of uh, basically. They need to get help themselves because he's kind of incompetent and doesn't actually solve any dang problems. Mm -hmm. So that was my thought. But then when I listened to it back, I thought, dang, you guys got a really good point. So I will say, humbly, you are right. Chuck is wrong. Eh, probably should have been a different part there. That's honestly thank so you. fucking refreshing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Oh, yes, yes. And you have, you have once again preemptively guessed what the next question was which is oh, a listener asked asking if there's anything that? that you would change about the book oh dang yeah i think i would probably change that i, I just i didn't even you know i wrote this um very quickly uh, it was out about a week after um after uh the jk rowling said her uh, mean things so oh. i was just dang writing pounding chocolate milk and staying up all night and um and uh, so I think part of it was that my, I was very focused. I wasn't really thinking about other things going on in the world. But that, yeah, I think I'll probably have some sort of other device there. Um, I guess in some ways you could say, well, that, that is, you know, I, I think it was important to me to not make uh, Harry a Porber a perfect character because I don't like it um, as as member of LGBTQ community. I kind of prefer... Um, heroes whether they are trans heroes or bi heroes or gay heroes or lesbian heroes or any any hero in this community i don't i like them to have some gray area and do things that aren't 
aren't entirely good or entirely bad. I think that all characters are owed that. So in mm-hmm. some sense, I guess it, it is hard to say. I don't know if I would maybe change that, but I think that now nah, I'm gonna go back. I think you're right. I, I think it. I think I could have given Harriet Porber some uh, some flaws that were not um, that specific ones. So that is what I would change. I think. Awesome. Um, we think accountability is really sexy uh, here at the Gailey Prophet. So I just want to say that was a very sexy answer. Oh, good. Thank you it's, so much. It's so dang easy. To, I, I, you know what I don't understand? And here's something very interesting. With this dang book, I guess maybe it's because I have a self-published way. I was fully prepared. I, I mean, I did a lot of reaching out to trans community and put a lot of heart into it to make sure that it was right. But I'm a guest in that community. So I, I got, you know, as a guest, I think it's important to listen. And if a, a huge amount of uh, readers came back and said, you know what, Chuck, we like your dang book, but but this this part uh, hurt our feelings or something, I just go back and rewrite that part and re-dang publish it. It's not, you know, it's not that dang hard. So mm-hmm. um, I think that um, if it was an issue that was a huge issue that was um, uh, maybe not could have been better, but actually actively hurting uh, readers, uh, I, you could just go back and change it. Like, then be accountable for your for your work. Uh, it's not that hard. Yeah, I agree. I think that taking accountability is actually significantly easier than uh, just trying to dig your heels in against oh, a bunch wow. of backlash. That's a really yeah. good. That's a dang. There is so much wisdom in what you just said. It's so dang true. Awesome. I love everything about this conversation. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> I just keep clutching my hand to my mouth because I'm just like. So we just have we just have one more question, but I feel like it's what we should close on. So I want to open the door for any questions that you have for us about Harry Potter or anything before we get to that. Oh dang! Um, well, I feel like I've been asking most of them. Okay. Um, hang. Let me think. You know what? Well, here's the thing. You, you're the experts, and I and I actually get asked quite a few of my of my Harry Potter questions. Um, but um, I guess I gotta say I still don't really understand. In the book, it's a uh, Draco, but uh, mm-hmm. dang Draco, I still don't understand what the heck the deal is with Draco. What's the dang deal with Draco? <laughs> Jesse, go. Well, he. In the beginning, in the beginning of the books, is a very like spoiled, bigoted, rich, rich kid who yeah. like, you know, is clearly parroting back his parents' bigoted views. Uh, and then as the books progress, and he kind of gets sucked deeper into it, it's sort of like he's like, oh wait, I actually don't want to do any of this. I actually don't want to murder people, but he can't back out or it'll hurt his family. Yeah. So he sort of. He kind of goes from being a like two-dimensional like Harry's nemesis to being like, oh, this kid is just in way too deep over his head and is like having to deal with evil, murderous fascists when he just wants to, you know, be with his family. Oh, that's very. I'm so good to hear that because that is what I thought, and that is how I wrote Breaker the motorcycle. Um, and, uh, I'm glad that that's, I, I was a little worried about that because that character is so strange to me, but that's basically what you just said is what I thought. And I think what, what was captured in Harriet Porber, but, um, it's kind of, 
I just couldn't tell if he was a scoundrel or not. And uh, and I think that yes, he's probably a I think I I would say pushed into the position of being a scoundrel and realizing that deep down in his heart uh, that is not the his way at the very yeah. end. Yeah, he like tries, but then realizes like. Uh, this feels wrong, and I can't actually do it. Oh, then perfect. Yeah, and you, uh, Draco was, I, I think we talked about it in the episode even, like, Draco was a very good Draco analogy, so. Yeah. Oh, oh that's kind. Thank you. I was, yes, I was most worried about that one because I, I found it to be most complicated, I guess. Yeah, you you did a great job. Oh, good. All right, Jesse, do you want to ask our, our final question? I do. All right, uh, so we just have one more question. Which is, uh, what message would you give to our trans listeners um, who have been harmed by J.K. Rowling? Oh, wow. Well, dang, this is a hard one because it's in Chuck's nature uh, to ramble on and uh, to talk about how love is real, which I did earlier. But I think in this particular situation... um, as I said, I'm a guest in this community, and, and I, I think that, I don't know, I don't want it to seem like a dang cop-out, but I really think that um, trans listeners who have been harmed in this way would know better than I would, and I, I'm not really in the position to give them any advice, and, and I would just say that um, they, they, uh, they were, were, would be the ones that, uh, that could tell me um, what I need to do to uh, work harder to um, make them feel better. And I hope that um, I hope that uh, trans wizard Harriet Porber helped. But um, if you have any suggestions and you are a trans uh, reader uh, and you have been harmed that way and you think, dang, Chuck, I really enjoyed Harriet Porber. Maybe you could write another way. Uh, c- come on and tell me. And uh, I would love to talk to you about that because, uh, you know, they, I'm a guest in this community and you'd know much better than I would. So I'm just here to listen. Awesome. Uh, as as a trans person, I will say your memes about protecting the trans community have been a gift and a blessing. And I will humbly request more incredible memes. I've shared every <laughs> single one I'm that great. you put out. Okay, dang. Okay, that see that's what I'm talking about. Is you just got you sit and you listen, and then I hear more memes, and I think. <laughs> I can definitely do that, buddy. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, Chuck, thank you so much for helping us prove that love is real. Oh, this thank has you. Been amazing. And you, I, and I know I already said this at the top, but but you are really doing something really wonderful here. I hope that you both know. You know, I know that making I I make a dang podcast too. Um. Oh, dang it. Maybe I should. Oh, I guess I'll plug it. It's called yes. It's called My Friend Chuck. Um, and I talk uh, with my bud uh, just about the different things. Uh, and it's a conversational way. And then um, book is Trans Wizard Harriet Porber. And, uh, and that is my plugs. But I, will, I, I guess I would just want to say that, um, that uh, this podcast that you're making, it's a lot of work. And I know that it can get kind of draining. But uh, every time that you do this, th- there are listeners out there that you are, you are making real change within improving love and making new timelines and it's really hard to it's really hard to think about how far that reaches uh and really believe it uh deep in your soul and i would just like to say that i hope that you 
really believe and understand how important what you are doing is in this moment because uh, you're really proving love is real in, in ways that I think we might never know, but they are true. And I hope that you remember that. Um, I just want you to know I'm going to probably listen to that every time that I'm sad for the rest of my life. Yeah, that um, sounds... <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, hope that it, I hope that it cheers you up and that, that you say, dang, time to get out there and, and kick, kick open the door and say, we got another podcast to record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I tried to prepare for all of the feels that I knew were going to happen during this interview. I was talking with my partner right before, and I was like, this is going to be the first deeply sincere episode of The Gaily Prophet that's ever happened. We usually, when we introduce our regular episodes, we call ourselves a humorous yet ruthless podcast. And I was like, there's not going to be anything ruthless that's going to happen. I don't know if I'm (laughs) ready. Well, you know, you can prove, I think that you, by being ruthless in your podcast, you're ruthlessly proving love. And uh, that mentality while that word goes along with maybe swashbuckling pirates and no forgiveness, I say that uh, you're you're fighting the the void and you're fighting J.K. Rowling and her bigotry, and that that you can be ruthless in your loving way, and that's what I have seen when I listen to this dang show. So good dang job. It's still Thank ruthless. You. It's just ruthlessly proven love. That is that is what we aim for, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should replace the tagline with that. Ruthlessly proving love. Yes. That's the goal. All right. Um, Jesse, do you have anything final that you want to say? I mean, just thank you for this whole conversation. I just, I don't know, I feel better about the world somehow. Yeah, me too. I'm just like, I don't know. I just, this is really lovely. Thank you so much. Oh, dang. Well, thank you for having me. And, um, Oh, I can see. We got guys got good, good show. This will be a good episode. I can't wait to listen to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gaily Prophet. Don't forget to check out our other podcast, Escape from Reality, where we read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it in a very similar fashion. Uh, if you like this here content, you should rate and review us um, wherever you listen to podcasts we you know really appreciate that it helps people know about our podcast and every new listener could be a new patron which brings us ever closely to breaking even on this podcast that we bring you guys ad free if you're interested in being a patron you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash the gaily profit we also have merch really great merch on our website, thegailyprofit.com, where you can also listen to episodes and see all of our comics. If you're not following us on social media, which you should be because we're really good at it, um, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Gailey Prophet. Uh, so yeah, check us out there. We're a lot of fun. And you can find me on the internet on Instagram, at Lark Malachi, which is L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. That's also how you spell my website, where you can get a tarot reading from me. If you want one. <laughs> if you want to follow me in between episodes, you can find me on Twitter um, at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at live from Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. 
Our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. And I feel like we should say love is real simultaneously as the sign off. <laughs> okay. Can we handle that? I think so. Okay. And until next time. Love is love real. Love is real. <laughs> yeah. Also, the, alter- the alternative is pounded in the butt by my own feelings about Chuck <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's better. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Y'all can have both. Have both. It's our gift to you. Ah. <sighs>